And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything's potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. Welcome to Anything is Potable! The Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, joined as always by El Nino, the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, and it's not looking good for the old Boston Celtics basketball squadron. So they have fallen down two games to nothing, losing both games at home to the Miami Heat. Now... Stop me if you've heard this before. The Celtics were up by around 10 points in the fourth quarter. And then they did this thing where they stopped scoring points. And uh, it really allowed the Heat, specifically this one James Butler character, to get back into the game. Uh, They could not stop Jimmy Butler. They could not really stop Bam Adebayo. They could not grab defensive rebounds. They could not throw the ball, (laughs) stop throwing the ball to their team. Um... I would describe it as a bevy of mistakes down the stretch, and the Celtics lose 111 to 105. Uh, what is your biggest takeaway from this comedy of errors? The Celtics just got punked down the stretch. That was it. It was, that was it. It was like this the Heat went to a zone, albeit it's like a different zone than you see in game one. It felt like they were a little higher up, the corners were available. The Celtics early on in the quarter, I thought, did a decent job of getting some good looks. Like, Grant had a nice pass where he caught it in the corner, immediately threw it into Rob Williams. Uh, Grant had a nice cut from the corner. Um, And I actually went back, and they did have some decent looks, I felt like. Jalen Brown missed a three. Jason Tatum missed a three. Marcus Smart missed a three. But then peppered in there, they had Marcus Smart just kind of throwing the ball to no one. They had Jason Tatum just like trying to whip a pass in the corner, another turnover. Jalen Brown got an offensive rebound and went up against four guys and just got absolutely destroyed. You had Grant trying to go one-on-one against Bam. And so I do think they generated some looks on offense, but it wasn't like they went down and had a solid offensive possession eight to nine times in a row. It was generate a good look, miss, bad turnover, Generate maybe not as good look, miss, bad turnover, give up two offensive foul or give up two loose balls, foul and rebound. They just like in the, it's not like they were absolutely terrible, but they peppered in enough mistakes that when, and the Heat had no mistakes and it just had Jimmy Butler, you know, getting to his spots, knocking down shots, bam, going one-on-one against Al Horford and getting points. And they just had a, a terrible fourth quarter where they were outscored 36 to 22. All of the hullabaloo is going to be about Grant Williams and Jimmy Butler. 
Jimmy uh, Grant hits a three, then comes down. Jimmy Butler foul. He fouls Jimmy Butler on an and one. Jimmy says something. Grant gets in his face. Obviously, uh, the phrase poke the bear has been said a number of times tonight by uh, certain journalists. I like that's Grant being Grant. I think if there's a mistake in the game, it was letting Grant stay in for the next five minutes after that and letting Jimmy Butler just go one-on-one against him. Personally, I don't think Jimmy Butler's like, oh, I'm going to decide to be good at basketball now that I've like had a, a brouhaha with Grant Williams. But that's just one man's perspective. You are the brilliant basketball mind. What do you think of uh, the bear poking? If you're mad at Grant Williams for poking the bear – you, my friend, are so soft. You're a bad person, I would say it. I'll say it. The The problem wasn't Grant Williams standing in Jimmy Butler's face, forehead to forehead, and screaming at him, igniting Jimmy Butler, whatever you want to say. Jimmy Butler is going to compete like hell no matter what. He does not need to worry. Like, he does he was going to be fired up over the last six minutes of that game regardless. The problem was when he turned it up, which he was probably going to do anyway, the Celtics cowered away. And they didn't play with the right type of trust, the right tri- type of belief. They didn't get any rebounds. Or well, I'm looking at the the play-by-play right now. And the the sequence where Malcolm Brogdon blocked Jimmy Butler, kind of like stripped him, and then the Heat get one, two, three offensive rebounds on the same sequence. One of them was just kind of lucky because Malcolm Brogdon tipped it to uh, Caleb Martin. But then Bam has finishes it with a putback dunk and it's like that's why the Celtics lost the game because they weren't tough enough and to me it's just a loser's mentality to be mad at Grant when the Celtics are the one seed they have Jason Tatum who's first team all NBA they have Jalen Brown who's second team all NBA if you guys cannot stand up to Jimmy Butler then you were never going to win anything of significance anyway that's the huge thing is, like, they got the stop on Jimmy Butler. Like, they played – Brogdon came in the game, got the stop on Jimmy. Um, I do think that's, like, if we're going to nitpick Joe Missoula. Also, like, the people on Twitter just furious with Joe Missoula right now. It's like he's not the one – I think there's there's things I think you can nitpick, like maybe throw into just a different look at Jimmy and not letting him go one-on-one, guys, and not giving up that switch so easily and switching it up. I thought the Heat, like, that's something they did. It's like, yeah, they played a different zone, and they switched it up, and it was a kind of a different look for the Celtics to adjust to. So maybe the forcing the, the, heat, the, the heat to do that. But, like, at the end of the day, the Celtics got beat one-on-one matchups. They're the ones fouling, like, pretty blatant fouls, trying to get rebounds, not boxing out, having that whole sequence, and then making just dumb decisions on the offensive end. Like, it's not a Joe Missoula uh, issue there. It's just bad execution by the players. There's, like... I think that the nitpick is there is like maybe switch up the looks, maybe throw like a guy at them, just make them do something. Cause it felt like the heat didn't even have to do anything to get the, the preferred person on uh, 
Jimmy Butler on whoever he wanted to. It, it was Grant Williams for a long stretch of time. Eventually, they realized that was not going to work. They put in Malcolm uh, Brogdon, who I thought did a, a better job, but it still um, wasn't good enough. There's a lot of people clamoring for Rob to be finishing this game and might have helped on the rebounds. I thought Rob was very good in, in this game, but Rob being in the game is one of the major reasons that Duncan Robinson hit two threes to cut this from a 10-point lead to a four-point lead just because the Heat were just like, He was right. very good tonight. Duncan Robinson and Caleb Martin were awesome. Caleb Martin was amazing, and I'm sorry for calling him Cody Martin. That's on me. I feel responsible for that. You the know Celtics, his name now. I know his name now. There's Celtics were up 10 in the second quarter when it was, bam, Caleb Martin, bam, Caleb Martin, bam, Caleb Martin. 8-0 run by himself to immediately put the heat back in the game. And he was very good. But I think that's another thing. Duncan Robinson, they were able to keep him on the court for a while. One, because their zone, he was just kind of like the guy in the corner. He was not someone that you could really attack. But then Robert Williams in the game, he's kind of, holding back because that's just the way he needs to play. Bam, boom, dribble, handoff, boom, dribble, handoff, two open threes for Duncan Robinson. And so I think the the logical solution to that is to to kind of bring in other guys and switch everything is obviously what they tried to do, but they just didn't win their one-on-one matchups. So I don't know if there's these just like giant, huge Missoula flaws here. Again, I, I think this is on the players. I think Marcus made a Terrible turnover. Jalen made a couple of mistakes. They gave up multiple backdoor cuts in the fourth quarter. Like there's just, it's just poor execution on the players. Timeouts didn't seem to work, folks. Like just stopping the game and halting progress doesn't mean the players are not going to make bad decisions. I thought one of Missoula's mistakes was starting big again, which he, which he adjusted to. Yeah, he, he did. Change it in the third quarter, but only after they got off to a really bad start in the first. And it was a like just a gross offensive start from the Celtics with the double big lineup in. Marcus Smart had post-up touches on the first two possessions. He scored on one of them, didn't on the other. Jalen Brown then posted up twice. It was like four post-ups randomly out of nowhere when they didn't really have an advantage. And it, I don't know. It, it, and they didn't really have a ton of space either. When they were going to that, I don't know why they did that. I don't know if that was the plan or they just took matters in their own hands and did stupid stuff. But that was weird. Um, and then coming into this series, the key to me was one key to me was taking advantage of the Kevin Love minutes. They did that tonight. They're very the, good at in that. In the third quarter, they did. The first quarter, they didn't at all because they started big. So that that's where I think Missoula screwed up is that. I understand wanting to stay big coming into this series because it worked last series. It all it revitalized the players. It gave them a new energy. They all loved it. Once you see how it looks in game one, and I think that was pretty predictable. It was pretty predictable that if you put five guys who can space the court on the floor, Kevin Love is going to have a tough time. And if you don't and you give him places to hide, then the Heat are smart enough and Eric Spolster is smart enough to, to hide him, to – Make sure that he's okay. And that third quarter, the Celtics were able to go right at Kevin Love because they went small and had more skill on the court. And I just thought it was a mistake to start that way again after the way game one went. It just, like, if you know that's the way to attack Kevin Love, and the Celtics coaches certainly know that better than I do, and it was pretty clear to me, then I just don't understand why you wait after you lose the first game. Like, you have to come out and have a sense of desperation in the second 
And I just – I don't know why he stayed with that big starting lineup. Yeah, I think there's, like, part of it is just, like, the team is, like, so uh, – to use their words, ecstatic about it. But, I like, to give him some credit, he came out in the third quarter and started Derek White in place of Rob. And they played Kevin Love off the court. It just so happens in the fourth quarter, there's no Kevin Love minutes. And the Celtics got some decent looks early in the quarter with Jimmy on the bench. Uh, but as soon as the Heat went with their closing five lineup um, and in that zone, it's everything just seemed to get a lot harder for the Celtics. Uh, they got like some decent like looks. Looks like you think that Jason, like Marcus Smart, had a wide open three that he missed. Al Horford got called for uh, loose ball foul on the rebound. Um, uh, the one replay I saw, I'm going to say Max Struess flopped, but because that's just I'm biased and that makes me feel better about things. Um, Jalen Brown missed a three. I think there was that dumb Grant Williams possession where he's going like one on one. They just the thing about the Celtics is like I don't know if they're good enough at this point to adjust to what seemed like a newish zone. Like obviously not all zones are the same. It wasn't put a ball. It wasn't the basic like two three zone that Celtic that the Heat threw out in the first quarter, but they got no easy looks in the fourth quarter uh, against the kind of the Heat's closing five, the five that we're going to expect to see throughout the series. Because the Heat's bench was bad tonight. Kyle Lowry was as like the one thing I can feel good about in these first two games is that it hasn't been Kyle Lowry that beat them. Because I don't like Kyle Lowry. He had a great first half of game one. Uh, he pulled some shenanigans, but he's generally been a, ne- a huge negative for the Heat. But... I just went back waiting for Jason Tatum uh, and like watched the entire fourth quarter. It's like they can do some things against the zone, but Jimmy's not in the game. They can do these things against the zone, but Duncan Robinson's kind of in the game. But like once the Heat got their five best defenders on the floor, it just felt like it was much more difficult for the Celtics. And especially it was like, oh, the weight of Jam and uh, I was just referring to Jimmy as Bam as Jam. It really threw me into a whole mental <laughs> pretzel right there. That was that was wild. Uh, but it's kind of just the weight of like, oh, Jimmy's going off and they just weren't able to get into anything with ease. And there's like a lot of people like, oh, Jason Tatum didn't make any shots in the uh, fourth quarter. It's the same as game one. I, I went back and watched the entire fourth quarter, all the offensive possessions. I thought he made the right reads. I thought he took some open threes that, you know, you'd kind of expect him to knock down. But I didn't think cause like he was scared for the ball or anything. It's just there. They had too many bad mistakes and too many missed shots. Yeah, and it felt a lot like the fourth quarters from the 2020 series in the bubble where the Heat went zone, the Celtics kind of just tightened up offensively, and the Heat were able to dominate the glass, like win the toughness points while the Celtics just kind of faded away. That was... I mean, really, really a disappointing close for the Celtics. Just even when they did get stops, just not getting the rebound. And and, they, and when, like, the third quarter felt like they really unlocked something in getting stops and playing faster and getting into transition. And it just feels like something about fourth quarters against the Heat in the playoffs, they're going to be slow, drag them out, like, fights. And the Celtics just do not excel in half court to half court basketball, walking it up in the fourth quarter. Like they need to be play with some sort of pace, play on cross matches, 
and just going up against the same Miami zone over and over again is just not where they succeed. It was not tonight. <laughs> that is for sure. Uh, we got to go back to Caleb Martin because I just felt like every time the Celtics were beginning to pull away, and they did in the f- first half, it looked they went on a twenty-one to two run, and it looked like they were just going to just throttle the Heat. And then Caleb Martin had a huge run, and instead of being up big after the huge run, Celtics were down four at halftime. And must have been thinking to themselves like. Wow, like we, what happened? We, we hit the yeah. Heat with, with one hell of a run in Boston, and they still had the response to come back and basically right away with their own. I think it was nineteen to two run, just a wild, wild swing there, mostly led by Caleb Martin. And then in the fourth quarter, Celtics got it out to twelve on that that pass from Grant Williams to Robert Williams. And then it, it was Caleb Martin again, like, sneaks by for, for a layup. And then he had another bucket. It's like, and then Duncan Robinson hit a couple of threes. So it wasn't even Jimmy who put them in position to close. It was the other guys. Caleb Martin was just awesome. Every time the Heat needed a bucket to just kind of, like, not go away, it was Caleb Martin. It was... Just a great performance by him. The Celtics guarded him sometimes with Robert Williams and tried to use him as a roamer off Caleb Martin. I thought he had some great finishes where he just went into Williams' body and and was able to create space. Like, nobody... He did some IT shit. Like, so, like, some real patience. Like, I haven't seen a lot of people attack Robert Williams like that. But that one you're talking about where he got into the body and then finished with the left, I was like, I didn't... I was unfamiliar with your game, Caleb Williams. I was calling you Cody. And I just called him Williams. His name's Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb Williams was the uh, Heisman Trophy winner, I believe. That's definitely not who I was thinking of, but... It's late here, folks. Again, Cody. Caleb, Caleb Martin. Caleb Martin. <laughs> I looked, How do you not remember his name? I was looking He's, at the box score. He took score. out your heart. He snatched your heart tonight. I was looking at the box score, and I saw Cody Zeller. That's another thing. The Celtics uh, did not punish the Cody Zeller minutes. Bam was, I guess, in some foul trouble. There's three minutes to go in the fi- uh, third quarter. And they're up by uh, a decent amount, and Zeller comes in the game, and they just don't really extend the lead anything. Like, they need to absolutely dominate those minutes, and it just felt and like... he had some offensive rebounds in the first half, too. He had the one stretch where he had, was it three offensive rebounds in a row, or, like, missed a shot, and then got at least two offensive rebounds in a row with Robert Williams right there. It's like, that cannot happen, Robert Williams. You cannot be standing by idly while Cody Zeller... Gets every rebound against you. That can't happen. Cannot happen. And I just felt like moments like that throughout the game where the Heat were just the tougher team. That that's what it came down to. And sometimes it was Cody Zeller. Like it wasn't wasn't always Jimmy Butler. It wasn't it was Bam. Bam had some great rebounds. Bam had some great rebounds. Bam had some great just moments one on one. Yeah, he, he made himself very tough to guard. The uh the one that was pretty big, that felt pretty big, was uh, Horford was guarding him, and he kind of isolated against Horford, was patient, was strong, got an angle, and drew a foul. 
And that's like like big big moments that they didn't allow last season most of the time. They were able to neutralize Bam. And he didn't have a super efficient night. I don't know exactly what his line was. I know he started two for nine. But it just felt like he was able to be aggressive and find ways to to really help out in ways that he didn't always last season in the Eastern Conference Finals. He finished 7-17 for 22 points, but I think eight of those points came in the fourth quarter, and that was drawing fouls and that huge offensive rebound. Uh, We do have to discuss Jalen Brown's offensive performance. Uh, He came out super aggressive in the first quarter, which is like, you know, first quarter Jalen is a thing, but I think maybe was a little bit too... uh, he was too incandescent, I would say. Just way too eager. And really, I think he missed his first. He was, came out one of six, one of seven. Was not great. He did, re- I think, redeem himself there in the third quarter and got uh, got the Celtics going a little bit when they went on their run. But then in the fourth quarter, he missed some big shots and then just bad decision-making. He had that one travel, and he got that offensive rebound and goes up against four guys. And so... Um, and then I think he missed another three. Just he, no one really showed up for the Celtics in the fourth quarter in terms of uh, on the offensive end, other than um, I guess public enemy number one Grant Williams, who knocked down a, a three and had um, nice cut and nice passing. But Jalen Brown in the fourth quarter was one for five, and it was not a, a spectacular offensive performance from him. Yeah, I thought Tatum was great for the most part. But the the zone kind of neutralized him late, and he wasn't able to to create as much for himself. He wasn't able to. He wasn't able to like split the split the like defenders and get to the rim. And um, I think the Heat just do a very good job of like having two guys in that zone and like not letting not letting dribble penetration in, in that existence. And you have to either shoot over it or pass through it and. I thought Tatum did a good job initially of passing through it, and then um, they tried to shoot over it, but they just didn't. Never really got. It's not the same zone where you can just like send one guy, like Al Horford or Marcus Smart to the middle, and then have people kind of pass around. It's like it, like there's different layers to it, and they just haven't. They didn't figure out where the pockets were. It felt like the corners were wide open, and they did a decent job of of finding that. But then they also Tatum just like rifled the ball out of bounds, and kind of like after that, they didn't. I don't think they did a good job of like exploiting the corners, and it's just like. You got to give credit to the Miami Heat of like they and basically that's not clearly not a look the Celtics are used to playing and like not we're not ready to like to to do something with in terms of like oh we immediately see this we know exactly where to send our guys and how to react to it and I think that's I don't know it it would be it would be great if the Celtics could uh, immediately adjust to a new a new zone like that I just think it's difficult to do in crunch time in the playoffs especially when you don't have a history of uh, fourth quarter execution. Do you think the Celtics are done? No. For some reason, I am, I'm still oddly confident in this team. Um, Why? Good Why question. Why would you say? Because they're road warriors. They played their best basketball in the last two years uh, on the road. Home court advantage means nothing to this team. Um, and you just got to like do it one game at a time. I still think they have the better, I guess, more talent on the team, but they clearly have not played 
uh, as such, but there's like still opportunities for them to uh, get bigger leads when Miami does have to go to the bench. Like they're not going to be able to play their guys that much, but the Celtics need to be able to take advantage and create kind of, you know, 15, 20 point leads uh, when they have their opportunities. Um, and I was reminded, do you remember the last time the Celtics lost their first two games at home in a playoff series? Who were they playing? They were playing Jimmy Butler's Chicago Bulls. So where is Gerald Green when you need him, my friend? Where is Gerald might Green? Might be time to start Gerald Green in game three. It might be. It might be. Who would be the Gerald Green? It's going to be Malcolm Brogdon. Either Malcolm Brogdon or Derek White. Derek White can't guess. play in this series. Jimmy Butler has zero hesitancy going up against Derek White. Like he, he, he Derek White, I thought at least was, once tonight, maybe twice. He did block him a nice block on a drive, but I what? just like think that they need. Like I think the answer is the close. Like I just they needed to go to Brogdon earlier tonight. I think Brogdon is their solution as the fifth guy on the floor. I think. And they're going to have to live with like Brogdon trying to defend one on one, but they have to do something to try and like switch that up. But they just need to win the. They need to win the bench. Like when Miami goes to any of their bench guys, whether it's Lowry, whether it's Zeller, whether it's Duncan Robinson, the Celtics need to win those and win those by a lot. I think they have the the capability to do that, but they just haven't done that at all in, in these first two games. Yeah, they they use Tatum. It had a weird little weird substitution. substitution they used pattern all of him. the third quarter and then, and then kept the first out. three minutes of the fourth. And they did the same thing in the first half, all of the first first three minutes of the second. And then as soon as he checked out in the first half, Jimmy Butler checked in and Miami just went on a 10 0 run instantly. Well, that was the Caleb Martin nonsense. That was a Caleb Martin power hour. But Agreed, I didn't think their was offense like, was terrible in that moment. I don't I don't know if it's wisest to have Tatum check out right when Jimmy Butler checks in. Yeah. It's like probably should match those that, minutes. That probably isn't the best. And I, I understand wanting to use Tatum against the, the bench lineup and just totally dominating that. But if you're going to bring Tatum out when Jimmy Butler comes back in, you better totally dominate those minutes and make it worth it because – Though everything fell apart when Tatum checked out in that first half, and it took a while, even when he got back in, for the Celtics to kind of regain a rhythm. I don't think he scored again after he checked back in to that first half. He had 14 points before that and didn't score again when he came back in. That's the pro, like the struggle. Tatum checks out, and then it should be a moment where they can like sustain a lead at least. Then it's like, boom, Caleb Martin comes up with his 8-0 run. You're talking about the fourth quarter. Jason Tatum is in the game for that first uh, three minutes. But that's also, like, where they got the heat kind of started going with Duncan Robinson. And, like, the heat have just a a lot of good counter moves um, and our play smart basketball. Like, we know what our offense needs to do when these particular players are on the court. And so – the Celtics might be done, but they're not finished. They better win game three. I mean, <laughs> better win game three. I would say it's a must win. Game three is a must win. I would have said game two is a must win. W- would you say their best hope is for Tyler Hero to come back? I don't know if that's their best hope. Is, is that a hope? 
It would certainly like, help hope, things. Hope that he comes back and no, is, I don't is think it totally so. right and gives him another place to attack. I don't think Spo would play Tyler Hero down the stretch. Like I think Spo has discovered like we have these five guys are very like good. They need to be more surgical and, and like attack Gabe Vincent or whoever the the weakest link is. But it just seems like the zone got them in a like a uh, we just don't know what. Our, necessarily our plan is and so the 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 best hope is like to get up by 10 to 15 with like six minutes left and just not play scared basketball but like they need to build big leads because jimmy and bam are coming and they're just like when the game slows down the fourth quarter they're not good the more i talk about it the more done they seem uh, because I'm just saying they need to be up by 20 with six minutes left to get a win. That's generally doesn't happen in the playoffs. Um, but for some reason, I just think they're going to come out better on the road. They need to win game three. I would say that's very important. And then after that, they need to follow that up with a game, uh, game four win. That would be my keys to victory to get back into the series was to be tied up with two straight road wins. Your thoughts. That would be pretty crucial. Pretty crucial. The uh, In the Celtics locker room, Aaron Miles was walking walking through and stopped at Jalen Brown, just kind of gave him some words of encouragement, told him, like, we're not done yet or whatever, and then walked over to Jason Tatum. It was like crazier stories have been written. So... I don't know if that's like a, a good thing if you're trying to convince yourselves that you're not done yet. Hey, David Griffin well, wrote a, a a kind of crazy letter to the Cavs when they were down three one, saying like the only time, the only reason this is this hasn't happened is because we haven't done it yet. So whatever mind games you need to play to get yourself back into the game, um, I'm all for it. Um, I don't not a lot of junk tonight. I know we need to wrap this up because someone here is a professional journalist who needs to get to uh, get to Miami. Uh, it's going to show up to Game Three looking like a lobster. Um, but what do you think of the? Let's just get into the media shenanigans, things that entertain me. Uh, you asked Jalen Brown what he thought about poking the bear, and he next questioned you. Did you? How'd you feel about that? I was surprised he next questioned me. Do you think it's because you used the phrase "poke the bear" uh, and that just seems pretty immature? No, I th- I honestly thought that was a weak response by him. I thought it was a weak question because he used the phrase "poke the bear." Okay. Just I thought there was an op- open and honest dialogue, Jay. I just thought it was a weak response. Stand up for your teammate. Say we shouldn't care that Jimmy Butler is trying his hardest. We should just outplay him. That's it. Like, to me, that's – it's such loser mentality to be like Grant Williams poked the bear and ignited Jimmy Butler. It's like, stand up to the I don't bear. Think he was you, being... You're the fucking one seed. They're the eight seed. Stand up to the bear. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I don't think it was. I don't think he was like answering a loser. I think he was like you're you're a media man trying to be an antagonist right now. So I wasn't trying to be an antagonist. I was just genuinely trying to get his thoughts on it. Um, I I was. I think it's important to know how the other Celtics thought about that. I did because like Grant's response to it. Grant's response was, was perfect. Yeah, he was basically saying 
my parents didn't teach me to run away from fights. I'm going to stand there and battle. And Jimmy had some great shots. I tipped my cap to him, but I'm going to come back and battle some more, which is what the Celtics all should have said. Uh, I don't know. I, I thought it was weak to have Grant be the only one with heart during the game and then have Grant be the only one with heart after the game. So pretty weak. Uh, pretty weak. During so you guys, Joe Missoula spoke, and then everyone went to the uh, locker room, and then Rob uh, Williams came out with a surprise podium game for Rob Williams, and then um, no one was really ready to ask Rob Williams a question because all the main question askers went to uh, went to the locker room, and then so only two questions were asked, and um, an unnamed member of the media uh, uh, said to himself. Uh, why all you motherfuckers here? Because uh, he was upset that no one else asked a question. I felt bad because I'm not a question asker, but like, did I uh, uh, did I fuck up in that moment? Sorry, Grandy, by not asking a question and not helping my fellow media members out by getting some good Rob Williams quotes. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f***ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. <laughs> no, he, it's not on you. That's not on you. Why is that on you? Uh, the, the, there's some people who who were there who were like, "Why aren't you people asking questions?" Just like it was not Grant Williams's fault 
that the Celtics were badly outplayed by the Heat in crunch time. It was not your fault. It's not my role. I'm not a question asker. No one should have looked at me. I just, it was not, I don't think it was directed to me. It was uh, probably directed to all the other kind of word jockeys around or writing stories and using these quotes. I'm not a quote man myself. I'm a, um, purely in the tape game. But I just, I don't know. I was just wanted to get the media etiquette from you because not everyone was prepared for that. And so he only got two questions. Uh, what did you think about Jason Tatum wearing jorts to his post game press conference? I didn't notice he had jorts on. Yeah, not like uh, not like a Jinko jean, but like and not like a a homemade joint that goes as like real short, but still jorts nonetheless. I thought it was a bold look. I was for it. That kind of gave me hope for Game Three because he had confidence to wear jorts to his post game press conference. Jordan ain't easy. No, it's definitely not. But it is George season. We are approaching George season. Have you ever made your own George? You ever made your own cutoffs? I have never worn George in my life, nor will I ever wear George. Nor will I consider cutting off jeans to wear jeans shorts. What if you got a big hole in your knee? And the jeans are now ruined as pants, but you could wear them as shorts. I don't want to wear jeans anyway. So if my jeans have a hole in them, I'll fucking light them on fire and wear sweatpants instead. What if you're hanging out like by like a campfire and like drinking some brewskis? You don't want to be wearing some shorts. Under no circumstances <laughs> do I want to be wearing shorts. No offense to Jason Tatum. I'm not surprised. I would not have pegged you as a shorts guy. Uh, clearly, you can tell my affinity for the for the short. Um, the only shorts I can respect is that backup big man who used to play for the Knicks, who played at Kentucky. I forget his real name, but they called him Jorts. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta Google this guy. What was his name? Oh man, he was just a like backup like big a, man a for the Knicks. Rebounder. Willie Cauley Stein. I just googled Jorts. Josh Harrelson. You <laughs> are Josh Harrelson. You were like Rain Man for basketball. Yeah, but I forgot his name. <laughs> it's still that's, that's sad true. though. He was just a, a big, rugged rebounder, and they called him Jorts. I wonder why they called him Jorts. Probably because he wore some dope-ass Jorts. Um, any other junk for this game? Uh, Eric Spolsa's pregame press conferences had zero questions. That was a fun moment. <laughs> Jorts, Jorts was awesome, man. He he grabbed 26 rebounds in the Kentucky Blue-White Interest Squad scrimmage <laughs> in 2010, and when asked about the performance, John Calipari said, either we are the worst offensive rebounding team in America, or he's gotten better. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to George. So, Shout out to George. He was working hard on his game. Um, that's, uh, that's all it's going to do it for here, folks. Like, Celtics lose. Celtics don't execute down the stretch. Celtics do not take advantage of... Uh, Heats bad players playing on the court, and Jason Tatum shows up at the post-game press conference in shorts, and that <laughs> triggers a random memory in Jay King's brain where uh, he remembers a basketball player no one else has thought of in the past uh, 15 years. Some of these George stories are hilarious. Apparently, hold on. <laughs> this, this is incredible. The Josh Harrelson stories. Apparently... He then tweeted in response to J John Calipari that 
he should have just gotten a good job or way to go. (laughs) (laughs) And then John Calipari made him shut down his Twitter account and run sprints as punishment. This is all according to Wikipedia. I cannot (laughs) confirm or deny these jorts tales, but I'm so glad we just started Googling Josh Harrelson. And he earned the nickname jorts because he was often seen wearing them, per Wikipedia, which can be wrong. That can be right, though. Usually usually right. Do they, have, do they have hyperlinks you can follow up to confirm the original source documents or as true historians? I tried, but the the links that they had did not work anymore. So oh, that's too bad. I tried to Google it. The, the George tales will just have to be taken as fact. They're that's a fact it. on this podcast. Uh, so Celtics lose. They're down 0-2. Season on the line, absolute must win Sunday night. Jay King will be there in Miami. Uh, not a good start to this series. They got to play better basketball. I feel like what the endings of these podcasts have been um, poor because I really lost, uh, I lose steam. And so that's on me, hand up. Um, but I thought I could just, uh, I also, you know, I have a platform here. So I thought I could just use the, also these endings to just educate the people about random things about that um, I'm interested in, and then you would just get frustrated by it. Um, but do you know 95% of criminal convictions come from plea agreements instead of actual jury trials? So most people in prison right now have not had their guilt proven beyond a reasonable doubt. Don't you think that's a little fucked up? Sorry, Grandy. That sounds about- Anything is possible! What am I supposed to say to that? You say, yes, Sam, that is kind of messed up. We should reform the system. Plea bargaining's a joke. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.